0: All right, everybody, welcome to the this edition of The Wrap. This is a special conversation where we'll be discussing divorce. And we have on the line with us, Miss Rebecca Defenson. Uh She's a senior litigation attorney. Welcome in.
1: Thank you so much. It's nice to be talking with you
0: today. All right. So normally I talk about relationships and the ups and downs and even marriage, but we never really talk about the back end, uh, which is divorce, kind of closing out uh, officially or legally a relationship or a marriage there. Um, so one question, um, that a lot of people have kind of asked me when I, you know, told them this conversation was coming up was who generally uh, would would men and women kind of usually have the power or come out better in divorce from in numbers or from a, uh, what you've seen in terms of experience?
1: Well, that's a, it's a good question. And there's a lot to unpack there that Cordell law was even started is because Joe Cordell noticed that there was a tendency to be for the court system to be biased towards women as it relates to divorces. Um, So Cordell's focused on making sure that there's somebody on the man's side to help Protect finances, custody, child support, spousal support, things like that. I'm licensed in Virginia and D.C., so I can really only speak to those two jurisdictions as far as what have I seen happen in court as it relates to who's coming out better um, in throughout a divorce. And in Virginia and D.C., both jurisdictions don't have a preference in the code sections in the law for the husband or the wife and there is level playing there is a level playing field so i in my practice have not seen that same bias that exists in other jurisdictions in other states and i think as um, family units sort of evolve in today's society that it kind of levels the playing fields too. you, you know 30 40 years ago women were primarily the stay-at-home mom taking care of the kids and the husband was the breadwinner. That's not necessarily the case anymore. Both um, parties are usually working. They're really involved with children. So I don't think that today we're necessarily seeing that the husband's coming out better or the wife is coming out better.
0: Got it. Thank you for answering that. So I want to talk about prenuptial agreements and I've heard people say they've signed a prenup but then when it comes time for divorce, mm-hmm. it seems like the prenup is not enforceable for some reason. So like, why would it, why would you have this agreement that you signed before you got married and then that agreement be voided or unenforceable? What what generally happens or what are the factors in that?
1: Well, if you're signing a prenup, you, you're able to put Whatever terms that you want to be in that, um, usually parties are going to put specific provisions related to their property that they came into with the marriage, are coming into at the start of the marriage, how they might deal with finances that they acquire during the marriage, what might happen in terms of spousal support for the marriage, Um but there are certain things that you can't really contract away in a premarital agreement, such as things related to custody and visitation or child support. So I could see some of those issues becoming unenforceable if somebody said in a prenuptial agreement, you know, mom's going to have primary custody of any future children and dad will have visitation. That's not going to be an enforceable provision because when a judge if the parties were divorced at a later date and they actually had kids, then you have to look at what's in the best interest of the kids. You can't, the judge wouldn't be able to necessarily enforce that if one of the parties disagreed with what they had agreed to in the prenuptial agreement. Otherwise terms um, like financial terms, usually considered valid and a prenuptial agreement is a contract. It could always be subject to one party saying it should be void for issues of duress or fraud, but those arguments are generally hard to make. And in my practice, I've not really run into any issues of a premarital agreement being voided or unenforceable.
0: So let me ask this. So in the news recently, we saw Tiger Woods have a very messy breakup with his partner. She was not married to him, but they lived together and now she's suing him. Um, saying that he's kind of kicking her out and that they had some sort of verbal tenancy agreement. Uh, Do you ever get involved with people that may not be married, but they have issues in terms of separating property or tenancy or uh, financial? Maybe they're tying in financially together. Do you ever uh, either write up something for clients that are, you know, technically legally single, but they are dealing with somebody and just want to protect themselves and something like that?
1: I've done that before. It's not super common. Um, you know, my practice is basically solely focused on divorce, custody, child support, spousal support. We've had issues where parties were not married, they owned property and they needed to divide the house. Um, and so we've dealt with partition suits, real estate, that's like a landlord tenant, real estate issue. So we can deal with that. But uh, my practice is primarily parties that are married or had been previously married.
0: All right. So this is kind of the, the big money question here. If you are a man and you're uh, and you've built a little bit of an empire here, you got your own company or a law firm or whatever it is, and you're thinking about getting married, what is what are some things you can do to protect yourself and your assets? Uh, going into that marriage so you don't have to worry about getting cle- taken to the cleaners, as they say, in the divorce. For sure.
1: Well, it's definitely a good idea to speak with a divorce attorney before you enter into that marriage. If you're coming into the marriage with separate property, significant separate property that you want to make sure you protect, um, you know, in Virginia that you had prior to the marriage is going to be considered your separate property. Unless you start commingling it with property related to that you acquired during your marriage with your spouse. So if, let's say, for example, this person has a business and has a few bank accounts that they want to make sure that they're keeping separate. It would be a good idea to speak with a divorce attorney, get a premarital agreement that just sets forth that this business is going to remain the husband's separate property during the marriage and post-divorce and the, you know, lay out the exact bank accounts that are going to remain separate property and make sure that if you intend to keep anything separate, it does stay separate and you're not putting your wife's money into the business during the marriage. Cause that's going to start commingling and it will be making that property, what we call hybrid property in Virginia, which started as separate property, but then became, um, marital during the marriage and then the judge would have jurisdiction to divide that
0: is there is that a factor um let's just say it's like jeff bezos and he wasn't you know jeff bezos as he is today like the fact that he was building his business while they were married is that a determining factor in the result or how much spousal support he has to to give out uh when it comes down to divorce whether he was you know made as a business person or successful person before or were they made and, you know, building their fortune while married.
1: For sure. It does. That is something that the judge can and does have to consider in Virginia when looking at marital property or spousal support is um, what were the contributions to the marriage, monetary and non-monetary. So let's say, for example, husband was creating this huge business during the marriage and, and the wife was staying home, taking care of the kids, or maybe didn't even have kids and wife had a separate job and was kind of maintaining all the finances for the home, keeping the home steady while husband was pouring all of his efforts into building this business that wasn't making money at some point. Um, the wife is going to have an interest in, in the business, even if she had never worked there because, Her efforts during the marriage allowed the husband to get to where he got by the time the parties were getting divorced. So the judge can take that into consideration. It would be on the wife to show what efforts, what contributions, non-monetary contributions she had made to that. But that will impact um, how property is divided, how that business could be divided if there was not a premarital agreement and will definitely impact spousal support too.
0: Um, if they, if if they, either party, I guess, um, is you know, cheating or if there's some infidelity there, is that factored into? Is there like kind of punitive damages from a judge based on that? Um, when it comes to divorce results, in your in, eyes? Vir-
1: in Virginia, adultery is a ground for divorce. So in Virginia, you have to have grounds for divorce before you can file. Some states have no fault divorces you don't need grounds but in virginia you have to have grounds and adultery is one of those grounds um adultery is still considered a misdemeanor in virginia it's not something that people are actually charged with but um it is a ground for divorce and it has the highest standard of proof in a divorce in virginia you have to be able to prove the adultery by clear and convincing evidence and you also have to have corroborating evidence of the adultery um can be a bar to spousal support so let's say wife committed adultery husband can prove it by clear and convincing evidence had a private investigator follow her saw her go into the hotel room etc and wife needed spousal support the judge can prohibit her from ever receiving spousal support if the husband can prove that so it does it has a impact, um, on spousal support in Virginia. As far as punitively, no, not really. The judge can consider evidence if one spouse committed adultery and was dissipating assets using marital funds to take vacations or hotel rooms or, you know, dinner, things like that. You can, if spouse that did not commit adultery can do a tracing of here's all the money my spouse spent Um, carrying on this affair, the judge can take that into consideration and make the spouse that committed adultery repay the other one for his or her share of those funds, if that makes sense.
0: So sometimes you would see these people hire uh, private investigators. And I didn't understand, like, why do people do that? I guess they may be using that evidence in divorce court. And is that generally how they prove their grounds? They hire somebody or Buy some equipment or put a tracker on their uh, husband or wife's cars, or how does that normally look uh, in terms of how it plays out in the courtroom?
1: Um, there's there's different ways to to get that corroborating evidence. It might be bank statements. Um, it could be you can subpoena the the person with whom the spouse is having the affair with, and have that person do a deposition or testify at court and have them admit that they are had an affair with, with the other spouse. Private investigators are oftentimes used to follow a spouse, see where they're going, who they're meeting, and things like that. Um, so, like I said, different ways that you can prove it. It just kind of depends on the facts of the case and what's gonna be the most helpful information.
0: Uh, so if two people, they are amicable and they just want a nice, clean divorce, and I'm sure that's like a dream, like, hey, let's just make it nice and easy. Is it? Is it possible, does the court system make it possible for two people who just want to amicably split and they have everything worked out, Is does the court system make it easy for them to do that?
1: It is. Um, and I always encourage to try to work things out because... Divorces can be very expensive and they are definitely better ways that you can use your funds. That said, I've seen so many people that tried to finalize their divorce, their separation agreement on their own without attorneys. And then a few years later, they're coming to our firm saying, this is really messed up and I need this to be fixed now. And there are some situations where legally our hands are tied, the judges without jurisdiction to fix it. And those people are ending up spending more money trying to get what they could have been um, after they tried to do it on their own than if they would have just had an attorney help them from the start. Um, but as far as a simple way to get divorced in Virginia, we do have what's called an uncontested divorce. And for that, you do need to be living separate and apart for more than one year. And have a signed settlement agreement that resolves all issues in your case. So visitation if you have kids, child support if you have kids, spousal support, and then property and debt distribution. Put all of those issues into a signed agreement. And after you've been living separate and apart for a year with children, you can move forward with an uncontested divorce. And it's just submitting paperwork to the court. Nobody even has to go to court for a hearing for that. If you do not have children in Virginia and you've been living separate and apart for more than six months and you have a signed settlement agreement, you can proceed with that paperwork and getting your final order of divorce after six months instead of waiting that whole year.
0: Uh, So there are, there are some men now that feel like some maybe that once they have means That marriage isn't worth it because they they are afraid that the woman is just going to, regardless, without knowing the laws and without knowing the processes, um, that if I get married now, I'm putting my assets in danger. Is there any words from an attorney that's gone through this and, and seen that, yeah, it's possible? Any words to kind of soothe those fears that, hey, you can get married and maybe it was a mistake and maybe it didn't work out? But and you can do that and not necessarily get taken to the cleaners or getting cleaned out. Like it's okay, it's okay to take that leap and get married.
1: Oh, Just absolutely. Yeah. I would never say that someone, if they love their spouse and they've been together, they've talked about all the main issues that could possibly come up. You know, are they gonna have children? Um, how are they gonna deal with their finances? Where where do they see themselves in 10, 15, 20 years? They've gone through all those things. You shouldn't let the prospect of this could fail, stop you from getting divorced, or stop you from getting married. Excuse me. Um, like we talked about earlier, a premarital agreement is always an option if somebody's really concerned about. Well, I have these assets coming into the marriage. I really want to make sure they're protected if anything happened um, and we needed to be divorced. But also, I I really do have faith in um, the court system. You know, I've seen in D.C. and Virginia. The way that the legislatures have written the divorce laws, the equitable distribution, um, which is the division of property and debt, there are specific factors that judges have to look at when they're deciding how to divide marital property and marital debt. And, you know, it, you'd have an attorney on your side if you hired one that's going to be spending the time making sure you're totally prepared and presenting the case to protect you Um and your assets moving forward. So I, I would never say let the possibility of divorce prevent you from getting married. Um, but also make sure before you enter into the marriage that it, you know, I, th- I think I've, I see it's so easy to get married and then lots of times people think if it's not, doesn't work out, it's easy to get divorced and it can be very easy to get divorced, but it also has a really lasting effect, um, you know, emotionally and financially. Um, and it's, you know, the death of a, of a family unit. So there's a lot to take into consideration before you get married. Um, but it's good to think those things through.
0: And just a closeout question here, and this has been great so far. It's kind of, demystified some things for folks that are scared about divorce or scared of getting married. Uh, But then you have those uh, instances where one party has been cheated on or one party has been abused physically, emotionally, and they want a divorce, but the other party will not grant them the divorce. So kind of what happens and how does that work? Is there a way for that the party that feels like they've been aggrieved and they have grounds for divorce, but the other person won't sign paperwork or won't finalize it or won't show up to court. How do you, how do you rectify that?
1: Well, like you said, like one party has grounds in Virginia, the grounds are adultery, cruelty, desertion, or living separate and apart for more, one, more than one year. If these, if this couple tried to resolve this, didn't want to litigate, wanted to save the time and money, but the other party just wasn't agreeable, then the party that has grounds is absolutely within their rights to file a complaint for divorce based on whichever ground that they have, and they should. Um, And then the court system will basically take it from there. There's no way that one one party wants to be divorced and they can prove their grounds in court. The judge will grant that divorce as long as they can prove the ground. So shouldn't there should be no fear that well you know my spouse towards me but he won't sign the final order if you can prove the allegations for grounds for divorce the judge will grant that divorce um after the waiting period and um after your final hearing
0: mm. yeah because yeah, so i feel like i've talked to women that have said well we don't live together and there's this and we've been separated and um, the person doesn't feel like they, like they feel stuck, right? Because their, their party won't. So like, if I am going into that situation and I want the divorce, how can I, what evidence would I need to say that I was abused or that I was deserted? Or, um uh, we already talked about what happened with the cheating and, and if I have the, so like, what would that look like coming into court to get the judge to grant you that divorce?
1: You need corroborating evidence. So you might have, you might be test if it's desertion you'd be testifying you might have family members or friends that would be able to say oh you know susan came to my house her husband had left she needed help with money you'd have witnesses um testimony from both spouses financial records records i mean everything when you start a divorce we can issue discovery we can issue interrogatories, requests for production of documents, subpoena bank records, um, employment records. It, it all comes into play. And an is going to spend a lot of time and a lot of work going through all this evidence to make sure that we can prove the adultery, cruelty, desertion um, for our client. So it, what exactly evidence really depends on the facts of the case.
0: All right. So I'm feeling a lot better about marriage, that you're not necessarily stuck, that it's not necessarily um, that if you get divorced, that you're going to be, you know, sentenced to this long, uh, perpetual, I guess, spousal support and be put in a terrible situation or that courts lean one way or the other, at least here in the DMV, or at least the D and the V. I guess we could speak for D.C.
1: D.C. and Virginia. Virginia.
0: Um, so I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about that and I'm hoping that men that are listening, uh, feel better about that. And then I generally feel like it's women that want the divorces and feel like they can't get out. So I hope they're feeling better after this conversation, um, that there are ways to get that divorce resolved, um, without that party necessarily, you know, voluntarily just signing all the paperwork Uh, as long as they have all their P's and Q's, uh, lined up there. So I think. This was a positive conversation about divorce, I think, (laughs) if that's the thing.
1: No, it's, you know, divorce, nobody wins. Everybody loses to a different degree. Um, But a huge change. But, you know, in the end, once you get through the difficult parts of the divorce process, once you're through the thick of that, there are happier times, better things ahead. And it does. Everybody deserves to be happy. So there's a way forward.
0: So, Rebecca, I really appreciate you. Um, for If somebody needed your services at Cordell & Cordell, how could they get in touch with you guys? So. Uh-oh, lost you there. Hey, guys. I just wanted to come in really quickly and give you Rebecca DeVincent's uh, contact information. If you go to Cordolaws.com, the website you can get in contact with their attorneys are 1 866 law um, I believe, is the phone number uh, that you can get in contact with them uh, if you need legal uh, representation in terms of a divorce. Uh, and once again, we thank her for coming in. She is a senior. Um, litigation attorney for cordell and cordell a divorce uh law form law firm um and she is based out of richmond virginia and is uh, able to practice in virginia and dc um great episode great perspective on marriage and divorce there and can't wait to bring you more great content thank you for listening to the rap i'm rob anthony and as always follow us or follow me at mr rob anthony on twitter let me know your comments uh would love to hear them and thank you for listening